Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Here on this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, we have a very nice guest from all the way in Hawaii. This is Nick from LAFC Hawaii. Thank you very much for coming on the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. You know, we're going to get into how we met Nick in LAFC Hawaii later in the show through Twitter Spaces. And that'll be an interesting conversation because, you know, the whole clubhouse Twitter Spaces thing is definitely a way for people to connect. Before we get into that, of course, as always, we do have the co-hosts uh, for this show. We have uh, Mr. Christian Aparicio. What's going on, my brother? Doing well, doing better. I know we were trying to have this episode out last week before the San Jose match, and I wasn't feeling well. Just had a bad cold, guys. Don't worry about me for those that care out there. But happy to finally be able to connect and have a conversation with Nick, but also talk about the not-so-well doings of the club so far, or at least in the last few weeks. Absolutely. And before we talk about all of the mishaps that LFCs has, we also have to mention that our other co-host, Jonathan Reimer, is currently in a meeting with the supporters group the 3252 so as soon as he gets out of that he's going to jump on i think that meeting went a little long but he will be here at some point before the end of the episode so we will welcome him and catch him up on everything that we've spoken about yeah don't um, add us our voice isn't as smooth as his so we get it <laughs> <laughs> no man he's like he says he's the one with the face for a radio right yeah so anyways to recap right so we've had two matches since our last episode we had the home match against Sporting Kansas City on a Wednesday night, and we also had an away match in San Jose this past weekend. And also, while we had those two matches, there was also the acquisition of one new player that was 100% confirmed, even though there was the rumors of Christian Arango. And there was also the departure, again, of Mark Anthony Kay and Corey Baird. Uh, we have a couple of quotes that we wanted to talk about from Mark Anthony Kay with his new team in Colorado. So there's a lot to talk about in what has transpired over the last week. So let's get right into it with the Sporting Kansas City recap. It was a good day. It started out that way. I think there was a lot of excitement for a Wednesday night because it was Ted Lasso Day. And uh, I know obviously Nick living in Hawaii wasn't there. And Christian, you were not able to make it out because weekday games are a little hard for you. But I was there. I was there with my two sons and it was uh, it was fun. You know, I have a couple of videos of uh, Gabriel, you know, doing some trick ball moves and like bouncing the ball on his back and stuff like that. And it was it was fun. This was uh, my son Ben's second game that he ever went to. Uh, you know, and the first game was two years ago when we had the Sunday match on Easter when it was super hot and with COVID and everything. This was my son Ben's. This was really the first time he'd actually gotten to experience the whole bank and he loved it. And it was it was great for that reason. But after the Ted Lasso event, I would say that the rest of the day was pretty poor, and it started off poorly with Ollie's flight. And if you guys see the actual video footage of Ollie's flight from uh, that day? I had the pleasure, too. The guys on my group, we, we have a, a little chat, and so they will show me, uh, you know, inside the stadium, things that are going on when the TIFO goes off. So one of them was recording in Ollie. So that was pretty nice to see. Well, not nice was, to see that he flew out, but nice that I get to be in, in, involved. It was odd. It was an odd thing to see. You know, my brother-in-law had also come with his fiance, and 
that was her first time at the bank. And I was like, oh my, I was like talking it up. I was like, oh my God, check this out. Ollie's flight, it's going to be amazing. The bird comes and and then, you know, first thing, Ollie does is first pass and he like flies out the corner, man, the Northeast corner. And she goes, is that supposed to happen? And I was like, no, that's, I've never seen that happen. You know, I don't, I don't know what happened, but you know, sure enough, you know, within five, 10 seconds later, Ollie comes back into the stadium and does the remainder of the performance. But it was, it was just an interesting start to the night. You know, I don't know if people believe in omens or superstitions foreshadowing, what have you, but it was, it was an interesting beginning to the night. Is it true that he has done a few things that have been odd this last year? You know, I, so I know that we, we had uh, Ken McNook come on and do an, uh, an interview on the show. And he had said that they do try to practice with the stadium and the noise and things like that. And I'm not sure if maybe the lack of opportunities and consistency has maybe gotten the birds out of habit. I do know that Ken does say that they have uh, one or two other falcons in the rafters that are just hanging out and waiting in the event that Ollie were to fly out like that and they would release the other birds so that the actual show would be finished. Okay. Uh, but you know, I don't I don't know exactly. You know, that might be something interesting for us to reach out to Ken just to kind of say, hey, you know, what's going on? Is there anything, you know, because some people are, are curious. But yeah, I'm not, I can't I can't confirm for you, but it's you know, those are some of the things that I know that they try to incorporate is just being used to the crowds and the noise and things like that. So I don't know. I think if something weird has happened in the last year, that's really just normal, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so I, I, this I, is true. Yeah. So I do think it was probably a premonition, though. Of he, he probably felt some energy or doubt in our team, which is ironic on the night of belief or believe, um, which I'm jealous. So you probably got one of those little towels. I do. I do like Ted Lasso. Wish I would have gotten one of those. Oh, I, I got you, bro. I, I have... I've got, I mean, I was there with my two sons. I got plenty of towels for you, bro. <laughs> it's right. a great show. Oh, it's a great Fantastic show. show. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So funny. It really is. Just the way that he's portrayed. The whole thing is, you know, it's, it's a really good show. We enjoy it a lot. I do want to say, though, that I liked the first season when you could just watch them back to back to back. And I felt like this season, when you watch episode by episode every week, the, some of the things I probably would have let go in the past season like I have to sit here and I dwell in it and I think about it right and I'm not so easy like the dog getting kicked and dying on the pitch like I'm like uh (laughs) or or uh there was or like you know Ted you know spoilers right if you don't want to hear the spoilers for anybody but like Ted Lasso getting led Tasso and it's like nobody would ever do that like yeah you know it's just when stuff gets over the top I just feel like when I get I the next episode, I like I let it go and I don't dwell in it. But now that I'm like sitting here and I'm like, well, I've got nothing to think about except for now exactly looking at the episode. But no, it's yeah, all like I would much rather it be a binge watch, honestly. Yes. You know, yeah. but the the weekend thing, uh, you know, on every Friday is like, okay, we gotta watch the show, which is cool, but you know, there's something even better about just binging out on it i would say that the show is probably doing a really good job of converting some of the casual fans oh yes so uh, i'm really happy about that one because i feel like people don't think about the drama or the irony just like in any other sports that exists in football but also just the passion the way that 
the community is bound to the teams in some places of the world. So, I mean, that can happen in your backyard if your team happen or your team happens to be in your city, right? So I think it's doing a good job of that. I do think, and it's funny because I remember when the Premier League was introduced and Ted Lasso, that character, did some promos and did some additional promos with Mourinho after that. And I was like, dude, that, that this is hilarious. This is a hilarious like SNL bit. Now, the fact that it became a show and it's a hit now, I'm so happy for Mr. Sudeikis there. Yeah, right. I, I love that they use real club names. Like the opponents they play are real clubs. You know, I think that that's really cool too. Right? That, that's Apple right. money. That's the only way they could afford to do that probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what team is it going to say? Yeah, I'll be on that show that's on Apple. Everybody watches it. So, of course, it just gives them more, you know, notoriety, right? right. Especially and, in the and now, And now that they're in the championship, you know, you hear about like a championship side name instead of it being a premier side name right right i feel like uh, we're honestly, avoiding trying to talk about this case. i know <laughs> yeah, i know but you yeah, just pull the so, band-aid off guys yeah. <laughs> but you know before we get into the uh, one more thing eric duenas i gotta give eric duenas a huge shout out he came over and gave his sign ball to my younger son ben right before the match so that was a really cool moment to you know ben standing on the rail and he's like waving at the players and as the players come out on the pitch eric duenas comes over he was over by the corner and he sees my son, Ben, like trying to get the attention of Brian Rodriguez and Kenny Arena and Diego. And none of them saw Ben, but Eric came over, you know, and handed him the ball and it was really cool. So, all right, with that, let's get into this. This is, this was really bad. Worst first half in Bank of California history. It had to be. It was deflating within the first 20 minutes, the mishandled goal clearance by Romero which led to the ball being at the feet of the Sporting Kansas City striker and it was just a free open net that was discouraging but it just it didn't a lot of times I feel like LAFC will rebound right like they will correct whatever slow start they have and they'll go and start firing on all cylinders you know however yes Sporting Kansas City is on the top of the west and they're a very solid team it was just it went from from worse to terrible to atrocious. I agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I agree. No, it was it was really bad. I think what's telling a couple things for Romero, at least in that first play, one he's young, but two I think he understood that we were playing with a three kind of center back formation, five two three or three five two, and he came out a little too eager because I think he wanted to clear the ball because he didn't trust the back three really the only central defender that has some experience how he's in that position is blackman and then he also he's young so i think he was probably inexperienced in that moment to kind of gauge the ground he needed to cover to clear that and i think that deflated the team i think you use the right word there because the team knew that bolsegura and murillo were out and they've kind of been our linchpins in the back playing with three or four in the back so with both of them gone I think they felt like the task at hand became greater and and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy soon thereafter with, I think in a span of 20 minutes, they scored three goals. Each one, a lot of it had to do with spacing. I think in one of them, Ruchiki gave the ball away and it was just, I think he just didn't understand how to play a little bit more central because he plays wide a lot of the time and we had to put him in that position because we don't have enough center backs and then I think Farfan is still struggling to figure it out himself playing more centrally so and this is one of the reasons why I think this formation doesn't work currently 
right? If, with having our, our starting center backs, yes, that makes sense to do that. But you think at, at the beginning of the season, we played 4-3-3 and we, we grinded out some of these one goal victories and it was with Murillo, Segura, and as before, um, we had the revelation of uh, uh, Moon, um, and we had Farfan and Chiki, and Blackman kind of playing the outside backs. So thinking about what our personnel is now, I don't, I don't trust having three in the back without having some experience in those positions. And I don't think we're in a position to be able to experiment anymore. We have very little margin for error for the second half of the season to get a decent playoff spot and try to make a run with a, a system. So, but that, that's kind of my, my thoughts there. I, I will say that in the second half or throughout the game, we tried. I think I just don't understand why we can't score. I also don't understand why we get so far into the box and can't take shots a little sooner or a little further out at times to keep the goalies guessing or the defenders guessing because it's predictable at times. And I think even though we, we take shots, we, we try to take the perfect shot and that causes uh, misses and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of confidence in front of goal. You know, just to, you know, highlight what you're, what, you know, some of these stats though, you know, you're talking about how this formation may not be right for us, but when you look at some of these stats though, it shows that there is some positive takeaways, right? Like we had 21 shots overall throughout the whole match. Granted, only one of them was on target, but that just goes to show you that LAFC is in a position to take shots and potentially have opportunities to score. We had 55% of the possession for the whole match, 75% tackle success. It looks like there is an avenue for this formation to work I understand that you're saying that with some of the injuries that we have, it may not be the best formation with the current roster, but I do think that there is a an arena where this 5-2-3 or 5-3-2, however they decide to do their midfielders and strikers, I do think that there is an avenue where five in the back is going to be a uh, successful uh, formation. Yeah. So for me, I believe that was a bad day for the 3-5-2. I think that actually, just my opinion, that we actually do work better in the 3-5-2. And if you think about the first time that we played SKC, we played them really well. And it was against the 3 and We had the 3-5-2 in that game until Bob made a weird sob at halftime and then took that game into the 4-3-3. And then that's when it sort of blew up on us and we lost that match. So about this last game, Tomas definitely shouldn't have came out. It was something that maybe he should have been more vocal and let Blackman know that he was coming out and there wouldn't have been that, you know, that mishap on the first goal. But when I look back at it, I don't count two, three, and four as a problem of his. I count it as Obviously, we are missing two of the most important players on the back line with Segura and Mario. But, um, you know, if you if you watch, there's some ball watching going on and that really hurt him. You know, I think that's why we have tried to, you know, bring in extra people for the center back role, because, you know, having Segura out is going to be a hard, hard hit for LAFC. You know, in my group, we talk a lot about not having a leader on the field. You know, like Bella might be the captain, but we, I'm talking about a real leader. I'm talking about someone that, you know, the Zimmerman was, the, the Benny Fell Harbor, you know, the Beta Shore back in the back, and that will hold people accountable. And although you don't see Segura yelling like a Zimmerman, but you see him talking 
constantly. He might be like the silent leader out there. And I think over the last two games, we've actually seen that how important a Segura really is. Now, I don't think we're going to replace that with the center back that we got, but at least we have a seasoned guy back there that will know the role of when we do play in the 3-5-2 and we do have the Farfan and the Moon coming up that he knows he needs to stay back and be aware and, and vigilant of what is coming in. And that could help Tomas a lot. So yeah, that, that's, where I, that's where I am on that. I think you made a good point about the previous SKC game, but if you think about it, I think Murillo wasn't available for whatever reason. I think it was Yellows. And then Blackman got a red card, right? So we still had Figura yeah. back there with Blackman, and they're doing a decent job with Farfan. Yeah, and we were winning that game in the first half. Yeah. You know, so, it was until it was until Blackman got that red card, and we went into the style of a four-three-three. Well, that, kind of. Yeah, I think we made subs. It was a wrong. You know, I think the wrong subs. I agree with you, but I think what I'm trying to say is, with the wrong personnel or people that don't have the experience, if you if you if you're missing experienced center back you need all three experienced center backs to be in a three five two and if you don't have that then you can't do that and i think that's i prefer a four four two or four three three right and what a four three three does is you have two experienced center backs and then you have that kind of pivot midfielder that plays a little more defensively in front of them protecting them so it becomes kind of a three in the middle but then you have support on the sides from the midfield and those two outside backs so that's the only reason i think we need to shore it up and we won games at a goal difference at the beginning of the season. I think a 3-5-2 is good if we have good defenders in the back and we can blow out teams because we can create offense, which is not creating or not finishing goals at the moment. Right. No, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying they're a hot team, right? And we were doing well with them again with the 3-5-2. Then you look at the game. I know I'm jumping ahead, but that we played against San Jose, and that's a 4-3-3, and it was not great. You know, the 4-3-3 the, the did not look good, you know. So that's just my argument on, on the 3-5-2 and the 4-3-3. You know, but if you look at the, the formation, actually, for the match against Sporting Kansas City, it wasn't the 5-3-2. It was a 5-2-3, right? Yeah, 5-2-3. Yeah, but, I mean, normally – but is it, though? Because we're having three – three strikers when normally we were only having two strikers on the top when we had the five in the back. We were having five in the back with three midfielders and two strikers. And now we're having three strikers instead of and two midfielders. And, you know, that is, you know, Jonathan had spoken about that when he was on heart of LAFC about how that can leave holes in the midfield. Right. Right. Because, you know, also Rossi is supposed to be falling back. Like one of the threes is supposed to be falling back sort of in between the middle and the, and the forward to help out in that area. And so I agree a lot. It leaves holes. And, and if it wasn't like we could get the ball from the back line up to the guys. What, you know, if you really think about it, how many touches did Rodriguez and them really have? Like how many, you know, it, it was sort of, it was just sort of strange, man, how we couldn't get it up to them with the five, two, three. Right. But you know what? I do feel like even though Brian Rodriguez was subbed off at halftime, I mean, everyone knows I'm a Brian Rodriguez fan. So, you know, oh, you this are. Is, I, you know what? Okay. I think okay. I think that I think that Brian Rodriguez brings benefit to the pitch when he's on it. He's not I don't look for Brian Rodriguez to be this person that's a out and out scorer, but I look for him to have a role in the attacking third. And that 
that role is going to allow people like Carlos or Diego to have their lanes and openings to go and score. But I felt like I saw a lot of effort from Brian, a change in his demeanor on the pitch that is something I'm looking forward to because right after Brian came back from that loan, we had no idea what kind of product we were going to be getting with Brian and what his attitude was going to be like. And I liked what I saw on the pitch in Sporting Kansas City, and I'm excited to see what else it could potentially become, especially with the new striker signing that we had at Christian Arango. But, you know, like you said, though, Brian didn't really do anything, right? He didn't put any points on the board. He didn't, you know, set anything up necessarily, but there were things about his play that I was happy to see. The last thing I'll say about this match is I felt like this is one of the only times that I felt Bob tactics were speculative or not fully thought out for the personnel that we had and the, the team we had in front of us. I thought this was one of the times you probably had to play a little bit more defensive, and which is out of character for us, but it's a really good team, a well-coached team with a healthy squad and playing a 5-2-3 with only one experienced center back and cheeky look lost. Uh, at the end of that match or in the middle of that match, the body language and a lot of the players was very negative. Um, mm. And I just, I just don't, I think that that's one of the matches where there is a little bit of thought behind, like, what is, what is Bob asking us to do? Uh, and some of the other three, five, two, five, three, twos, five, two, three matches, it hasn't been that way, but I just think he didn't read who was available very well, and I don't think he put out a good game for that match. Even if the result wasn't 4-1, I don't think it would have ended up in a win. A draw would have been a miracle, I think, honestly, with the play, the players we put in, what positions we put them in. That was the game. That It was discouraging, and I think that we had all looked forward to LAFC and how they were going to play against San Jose. Unfortunately, that didn't really work out. But, you know, before even before that San Jose match, Mark Anthony Kay as we all know, had been sold to the Colorado Rapids for general allocation money in an international roster spot, which was much needed, especially bringing in the two players that we had acquired in between the two matches. Jonathan, you had mentioned the interview and what we had all kind of speculated what was the reasoning for the transfer, whether it was because minutes, very, very uh, congested midfield, and, you know, what, what did you think about Mark Anthony Kay's interview and what he said was uh, one of the reasons that the transfer was facilitated? I applaud him for his honesty. I think he came right out and said it, that it was a financial disagreement between him and the club. He felt based on his stature within the league, his current situation, that he deserved to be compensated more. It's clear the club didn't see eye to eye with him on that. And so he went to some place where he feels he's going to be compensated more. When you look at a player that's, you know, I'm not going to say K's in the twilight of his career or anything like that. But when a player finally gets to the point where they have some sense of free agency, some sense of I get to decide where I go and play and for how much. Given as short a career as most professional athletes have, and no guarantee of there being a career beyond that. You cannot fault someone for going and getting paid, right? Uh, as supporters and as fans, we always want someone to be undyingly loyal to the club. But at the end of the day, that's their employer. And if you can go get paid more to do the same thing for your job right now, I'm sure the vast majority of us would do the same thing and go get paid more somewhere else. 
So it's hard to fault Mark Anthony K for that. I, I do appreciate his honesty in coming out and saying that. It's very rare that players or franchises ever really discuss, you know, monetary compensation for a player. So I think, again, that just speaks to K's character. He's always been very open, very honest with the community and has been an advocate for players' rights and continues to be so even in his own case. So good on him. Um, you know, part of our history, he was the hockey assist for the first goal ever in LAFC history. He started that first game for us. He has a place that will be cemented always within the annals of LAFC history. But he obviously, and in Bob's press conference, the very first thing Bob said was the emergence of Sifu, you know, the dominance of blessing. These people need minutes. So you can see from a tactical standpoint where Bob and the team were coming at, he was surplus and they weren't going to pay him MLS veteran wages to not be in the starting 11. So hats off to him. We wish him all the best, but I applaud his honesty. We got to strike when the iron's hot and we got the most money we would probably get at least intra-league at this moment. I think I mentioned uh, another conversation with a friend is the only thing I didn't like about this. And I wish it was like an East coast team that wanted him and were willing to pay this much because we're, we're likely to face Colorado if we make the playoffs. They're kind of having a similar season, so I can see us being a 3-6 or a 4-5 situation against them. I do want to make it a point to make sure that he knows that he left for a reason or we sold him for a reason and we beat him, but who knows? That team is trending upwards while we're at this moment in time with this recording or not. Well, not And not only that, decision day. On decision day, we play in Colorado, so... You know, how, what kind of exclamation point is that going to make, you know, especially if LAFC continues to be this cusp playoff team, I mean, how bad would it make the fan base feel if Colorado is the one that puts the nail in the coffin to end our season? Imagine Mark Anthony K scores the goal to keep LAFC out of the playoffs or assists the goal. I want a missed deflection by him. Like a, <laughs> a missed like clearance that allows us to score. I feel like that would be very ironic. An own goal from him that puts us through. I'll take that. Or how about we just earn it, right? We just go into Colorado and we just trounce them like three, nothing. And, you know, I th- I'll take that. I'll take three goals in any match at this point. I was just about to say is if we can score three goals, I'll be happy with that. Vince, you listening? <laughs> but with Mark Anthony K and Corey Baird, both being transferred out that left room for two players to come in we acquired uh, there had been all of the conversations on social media over the last couple of weeks about Christian Chicho Arango a striker from Colombia but there was another inbound transfer that came in over just before the weekend hit and that was Sebastian Ibe Anybody else want to help me out with this last name maybe want to take a shot at this Ibiaga <laughs> that's what I would Ibiaga. say I don't know. We'll have to figure Ibiaga. that out. Ibiaga. Ibiaga. Perfect. And so he played for the uh, New York City FC. He's a defenseman, six foot two. He seemed to be very loved by the New York fan base. Very sad to see him go. But it was it it was good that we are getting some more reinforcement in the back because we all know that we need it, especially with the ACL surgery that Eddie Segura had the season-ending ACL surgery. And we are definitely not going to be as strong as we would have been with Eddie in the back. But it looks like we are at least going to have some options to try and see who is going to be the next man up to fill those shoes. Let's see what happens. I don't know much about Sebastian, so hopefully he he does well. We need him. And then Chicho, I, I'll wait for my comments on 
the discussion around San Jose, but I, I do think he has a lot of attributes that we need and we've been missing. I see more aggressiveness or nose for goal. So I just hope those become goals sooner rather than later. If you listen to the heartbeat of the LAFC community right now, be it in the pod fam, be it online, be it in something like a Twitter spaces, there's a lot of eggs being put in the Chicho Arango basket right now. There are a lot of people who feel like we're putting this savior name on him as he's coming in that, oh, he'll be the true nine. And, you know, Rossi and Vela will finally have someone that's going to connect and he's going to score a million goals for us. I really think we need to temper that with some realistic expectation. I agree. I'm not 100% sure he's going to come in and just light everything up. Would I love him to do so? Yes. And, and I think we've seen some potential in the 45 minutes we saw from him. We'll get to in a sec. But I just think people expecting him to come in and score or assist every single game really need to kind of just give him some time to acclimate before we start setting really high expectations for the kid. But, you know, by all accounts, he's got a great attitude. His PR stuff has all been good. Dude looks yoked, right? I mean, he's ripped. So currently, you know, his fitness is not something that we need to call into question. You know, as far as the other addition in Sebastian with Segura sadly being out, we've never won a match Segura has not played in. So we clearly need someone there in order to fill in that gap. And I, I hope he can do so serviceably. But again, I think we need to have the realization that Segura played a huge piece in this defense. And we really need to once again kind of temper those expectations with him out because it's going to be very, very difficult for anyone to step in and fill those boots. That was a big role that Segura played for us. So, you know, I don't want to put the losses all on injuries. I hate doing that. There were clearly things that happened in the course of these last two games that were very frustrating. And none of that had anything to do with Segura's injury. But we still need to realize that the defense is in a really tough spot right now. So hopefully Sebastian incoming solves some of those problems. But again, temper those expectations. Don't expect him to come in and instantly be another Eddie Segura. No, I definitely don't think we can uh, expect that. And I heard from a bunch of the New York fans is um, that the coach there was playing him out of position. Uh, so I guess he was coming off the bench a lot, playing in not his natural position. And so he 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 sort of fouls a lot inside the box. And that was sort of uh, the talk amongst New York fans, but said that if uh, Bob plays him in the right position, that we have us a good season guy. So that's that's promising. So now let's look at the San Jose match. Obviously, San Jose being a California team and they know how well we have traveled in the past. I'm not sure if this is a LAFC thing or if it is just all teams thing, but they do limit who is able to buy tickets based on the zip code of the credit card that you're purchasing the tickets for. So if you don't live in Northern California, you're not getting your ticket. So that's frustrating, right? There was only allotted a 100 tickets for away fans. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Jonathan, you might know more about this or be able to speak to it more. You know, that that's extremely frustrating because San Jose should be a day trip type experience. And for them to, you know, not allow us to, you know, it, it's that just seems like such a petty way to stick it to us as fans. And like I said, I don't know if that's just us or if that's other teams they limit, you know. They don't want the Raptors broke, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think across the MLS right now, there is an issue that every supporters group would echo, 
across the ISC, across every club, that the securing of tickets and protocols and all of that for away days is so frustratingly difficult to organize. So many of these clubs do not give you a solid response until, you know, sometimes hours before the game. They constantly try and make ticketing and entrance and active support as difficult as possible. Now, in San Jose's case, obviously, you know, they had a lot of egg on their face from a previous trip up there in which we absolutely took that stadium over. So they obviously took some drastic measures to try and make sure that didn't happen again. But the measures they took were unnecessary and over the top and detrimental to the overall game as a whole. The game is better when there's active support. But I think we saw even with 100 tickets, you still couldn't hear the San Jose supporters on the broadcast. It was still the 1352 that dominated the broadcast. So, you know, I mean, I think this speaks more to the situation that San Jose is in and they're just desperate not to get embarrassed. And it's really frustrating because, you know, 3252 loves to travel. And when our normal ticket allocation is probably closer to 400 tickets and they only decide to give us 100 tickets, that's that's really, really frustrating, especially when I'm pretty sure LAFC gives out 400 tickets for away support for anyone coming in. Now, rarely do those ever get used. And so we don't ever actually kind of see that active support. But I know LAFC is willing to go upwards of 400 tickets for, for away supporters if they want it. To not have that reciprocated is a petty move by San Jose, one that's frustrating and you know, hopefully continued negotiations between entities like the 3252, the Independent Supporters Council and, and other supporters groups across the United States can kind of finally get something going in a direction where the league or the clubs will give, you know, look, these tickets should be allocated at the beginning of the season. People should be allowed to coordinate any kind of travel and have that kind of stuff they want. It's, it's really kind of bush to make everybody wait till last minute, but I'll get off my soapbox. Well, I mean, even outside of just the active supporters allocation, you know, limiting just the general public from being able to purchase, it just seems that's so counter because it, it's not like Jose is a team that sells out, right? Like it just seems like bad business. You know, you are going to not allow the Southern part of the same state that you live in to attend your game because our zip code is not a Northern California zip code. It just seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely um, ridiculous. We have a guy in our group that had that is actually from there. So he bought the only one in our group that wanted to go. He bought the tickets under his credit card because it has the same his address over there. And so they traveled up and that's how they got to go to the match, which was pretty nice of him to do that for the guys within our group. I gotta find out what group this is, bro, because I need I need all the connects I can get, bro. <laughs> networking, networking. But you know what? So we had an odd starting eleven again. For this match and it was interesting I think because when you look well first one of the blaring things about the starting 11 was that one of our DPs was on the bench but it probably wasn't the DP that everybody was expecting to be on the bench we had Diego Rossi on the bench to start the match and it was interesting you know I think that we had Brian Rodriguez in for Diego Rossi which like I said I'm happy to see Brian getting minutes but at the same time I'm not looking to see Diego being the person that gets sat for Brian to play it was interesting Bob said in his post-game presser I don't know if you guys got a chance to to read the transcript or watch the video that he felt if he sat Rossi for a half and brought him in for the second half that that might 
kind of light a fire under him that he hasn't seen in him of late. And that starting Raito might do the same thing for him. So in Bob's own words, it was kind of a psychological move on his part to motivate both players, Raito and Rossi, neither of which worked. Well, he also said yeah. that he was trying to give him confidence. He knew uh, Rossi lacked confidence right now also, right? Yeah. In that interview. <laughs> I think it's I also physical, right? So if Rossi comes in second 45, he's fresher and he's, he's fast. So yeah. there's 45 minutes worth of exhaustion on the defenders. I don't hate the move. I just wish a couple things. I wish Raito took more of his opportunities. I still, I still think in the course of his career here, he has a lot of potential, but it doesn't turn that into actually executing on his potential. And then Rossi, unfortunately, he's going through a rut. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Vince has alluded to in some of his shows with him and, and Atua. So you could see their head isn't necessarily all the way there. And maybe that's what was going on with Mark. And there must be some transfer talks. And that's just me reading between the lines. So I think part of what's going on is maybe tactical, but also psychological with some of what I see a lackluster performance for the talent that and prior performances that some of these players have been able to execute on the field for LAFC. Well, we know there have been more than rumors about them. I mean, even on this show, when, you know, we had JT on, he spoke to the fact that at some point in time, Rossi and Atuesta are getting sold. He's been very candid about that since they came here. So, I mean, they've known from day one that they had to earn it and get sold. So I don't know if that mentality changes now that we're in the, you know, the year in which the move is expected to happen. I mean, I think everyone expected it to happen last year before COVID and their showcasing throughout last year and CCL didn't represent those same struggles that we're seeing this year. So I, I don't know if, if their potential of being sold is any different now than it was a year or two ago. I don't think it's a potential. I think there's there's ongoing conversations and potential frustration that things haven't happened is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I mean, but when you look at, you know, Rossi and how he's performed this year, I don't feel like he is as desirable as he was last year, you know? And no. it, it it makes me think, you know, that, if we were to sell him, there's no way we'd be able to sell him for what we were expecting to sell him last year or in the off season. It, it's just, he's not, I mean, unless people are willing to buy him based off of his ability that they know he potentially could play at, but he's not, he's not playing at that ability right now. No, he's not. I mean, and I'm a huge Rossi fan. He's definitely in some type of rut. You know, but when it comes to his head, you know, his mom is a sports psychologist. So, you know, call mom, man, help her, help her get that straight. But, you know, honestly, the thing with Rossi is um, until the last two games, I've really, Rossi always comes in there with a great attitude, hardworking, never really has his head down. And, and you sort of have seen that in the last two games almost, right? Even, even when Bob was over there uh, in, in San Jose, sort of, giving him an earful when he walked back. You sort of seen his head drop a little bit. And, you know, that's that's a little concerning um, because, again, Rossi has always been someone that was one of the hardest working guys on the pitch. Uh, you never really questioned his heart. And it's hard to watch as a uh, Rossi fan to see him put his head down a little bit and, and maybe second, third, fourth guess in his moves and what he does out there on that pitch. In addition to Rossi being on the bench as a – 
odd starting 11. We also had Pancho Janela making his start in midfield over people like Latif or Raheem Edwards. And we also got to see the debut of Christian Arango, or I'm sorry, make his starting starting debut of Christian Arango. Um, and uh, it was, uh, so like I said, those were the three major key points about the interesting starting 11. What did you guys think about Pancho Ginella in the midfield? And what did you guys think about Christian Arango? I think Pancho had a decent game, to be honest with you. He's the second one that I have expectations for him to take a hold of these opportunities and make himself a starter. I think he was way more highly paid than Kay. So I can see why he was a little bit disgruntled in that manner and still not even able to get the starting position, right? So he needs to prove himself. I, I don't know if his performance going back to the the uh, uh, final in TCL against Tigres is still in his head, but he has the potential to be able to contribute more than he has been, and he had a decent game. As for uh, uh, Chicho, I think he can be that number nine that we can rely on. I know that we mentioned that a lot of people are putting pressure on him. I think the question is going to be more acclimation, and luckily we have some Colombians on the team already that can make it easier for him. But having pressure of being able to score and assist and carrying a team, that's actually what his situation was at Millonarios. He was basically the offense, and he carried the team into a final and kept the team afloat and relevant in that league which is why um, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole watching some of the ESPN from Colombia and how upset they all were and how upset the supporters were with the sale of his. But um, it was good business for the ownership and it, it felt like an offer they couldn't refuse for Chicho. And at, at the right age, at least, I think, for an experienced player to come and contribute rather quickly. And I think you made the right comment in terms of fitness. But Jonathan, I don't think Bob puts him in if he isn't fit. The last comment I'll make about his debut, uh, he was aggressive. He was a good referential number nine. He could play back to goal. He could play in behind. The only thing that I think was in his head a little bit, and it's because of the style of play that we play, is that when he got that through ball, he tried to put it in for Rossi. And I don't know if it's because he knows that Rossi's in a rut, but to me there, you're in the 18 and you're a number nine, you need to shoot. And whether or not you score, I want a shot on goal. I want to see you make kind of that splash debut. It was unfortunate that he opted with a pass, and I don't think Rossi expected it because he was in such a good position to score that he kind of slowed up his run and tried to accelerate last moment to be able to catch up to it. Other than that, I thought I thought he did well, especially being like a week into the system, to be honest with you. I thought his play was unselfish, and that kind of frustrated me. You're the nine shoot you know don't look for the pass I, I have to completely agree there whether it's you know he's trying to make friends with his locker mates and wants to set up an assist and you know show that he's a team player or whatever I, I understand all that but there were a couple different occasions in which he opted pass over shoot where I was thinking this is what you got brought in to do shoot the ball so you know we'll see again it, it's a first 45 minutes the guy's fresh new to the club and the system. I don't want to hold him to any kind of level of expectation just yet. But I thought from what we saw as far as his movement and his presence out there, he looked great. I'm really interested to see what he and Rossi and Vela can do together as a front three. I think we got kind of robbed of that experience with the Rayito start over Rossi. So really kind of curious to see how he adapts to that particular front three. 
and whether or not that creates better chances for him going forward. But, you know, on, on a day in which there wasn't a lot of positive feedback at the end of the game, I thought his performance was okay. And that's great for where he's at. Yeah, for me, within our group of uh, Twitter spaces, we started the whole free Poncho movement. So we're happy to see Poncho get his start out there. Uh, LASC, Uruguay, and uh, our guy Eric, uh, you know, they, they've really been talking about Poncho a lot. And they, they, they wanted to see him freed. You know, I think the first few games we didn't see much from him. But I think now that he's had some matches, his legs are underneath him. And um, I didn't hate what I've seen from him. It seems like he's 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 getting the movement right, and I like I like it. His, his passes aren't aren't really that bad, and uh, I think that if we keep on giving him a chance, he could be someone that will slot into that midfield really well for us. And then um, I'm sort of like Jonathan when it comes to Arango. I want to see him him be just a little bit more selfish. I know that's like a team sport, but when you are the striker and you're within that striking goal, I want to see you take it. If it's you know. Nine times out of ten, take it and try to have that one pass to help out, whatever. But I want to see him put them in the back of the net. You know, I I hope I hope that these changes that we're seeing are the beginning of either A, Bob looking to give other people opportunities because people, the players like Rossi or Atuesta are leaving. And we know Bob knows, hey, the writing's on the wall and I need to find people that that can fill their shoes and play at the level that I'm expecting them to play sooner than later. Or it is that he is looking for people to work their way out of any sort of mental rut that they are in so that when an opportunity comes, they are ready. Either way, the fact is we have players on our squad that should be perfectly capable to be in our starting 11 and be a team that is competitive against any team in the MLS. And right now we're not that. So we definitely having to start looking for other ways and other alternatives because it is becoming very frustrating to watch. I was going to mention something about Janela. He is a little soft defensively. I think the first goal was his man that beat him to the front post. So like, I think he needs to toughen up. I don't know. Who needs to kind of rough him up on the team? Maybe uh, he can get a little bit more aggressive. But on these matches, I think these little margins of error are really being costly. And I don't want him to kind of become Mark Anthony K. He should exceed what he Mark Anthony K did. It's just, you know, Mark Anthony K played really well, but had bad moments at bad times. And I think he needs to kind of turn that around for himself and find ways to become a positive force um, or some sort of irritant defensively to make a name for himself and have the trust of the, the supporters. I'll get, I'll finish what I was saying, what I think frustrates me the most, but to say that about Pancho Janela is that I think he's more of a finesse midfielder. He's not yep. this aggressive defensive minded midfielder. Uh, I think that he is more of a facilitator of the ball and it's a little bit more of like how, you know, you look at, Brian Rodriguez, right? And he is very much like tries to be quick and cheeky with the ball. And, and it, it's, that's the style of play. I don't know if it is a Uruguayan thing, but it, it just seems like those are two players that are a little bit more of the finesse as opposed to aggressive uh, behavior. It's not a Uruguayan um, thing. If you look at their national team, it's the qu- quite the opposite. They probably have like two finesse players on that national team. So I just think set pieces, you, you can be aggressive 10 times a game figure that out yeah but 
So, okay, but what frustrates me about this, and I think that this is a common frustration for everybody, is that we see the ability because the in 2019, we had a lot of the players that are on our current roster on that t- roster in 2019, and we were dominant, right? There are a couple of key players that are not on that team, players like Zimmerman, players like Diamande, players like Miller, right? And for all the people that hated Tyler Miller, like for all the goalie problems that we've had, I would say that Tyler Miller was definitely a goalie that we probably should have tried to hold on to. It's just, we see that the potential and the ability is there. We just are not executing. Yeah, this this game was frustrating. The lack of execution is really starting to weigh on us. Now, I will have to say from an offensive standpoint, the execution was slightly better in this game. It wasn't as woeful as what we saw versus Sporting Kansas City, where we had 21 shots, but only one on goal. But the quality of team, though, of San Jose versus Sporting Kansas City, like we're playing a worse team. Yeah, but that game versus Sporting Kansas City, we had a ton of huge opportunities that had we just been able to get the ball on frame, we could have changed the result. And I'm not saying we would have scored four, but there were a lot of opportunities in that game, big chances that just did not go in. In this game versus San Jose, it felt to me like there was a lot less creation on the offensive end. They only managed 16 shots, but at least six of them were on goal at this point. So the efficiency is still a little bit better. But if you're putting up 21 shots versus Kansas City and then only 16 shots versus San Jose, it's still we've said it on this podcast too many times now. There's just got to be fingers pointed at the offense right now as to why they are not converting on chances. Our expected goals right now is third in the league. If we scored the opportunities one should score on, we should be the third best scoring team in the league. We are incredibly far from that right now because we are not converting chances that need to go in. And and I know statistics, whatever, but that's definitely a sign of we're creating opportunities but not converting them. And it's been going on for far too long to not be alarming at this point. And again, I just don't know if Arango is the solution to that. I hope he is. But I think, again, that's just a little bit needs to be a tempered expectation let's talk about positive things <laughs> <laughs> so let's transition to the the interview portion of the interview and we're lucky enough to have nick aka lafc hawaii at lafc underscore hawaii on the program two two hours behind us correct and uh able to join us tonight and we appreciate that well thank you man thank you for having me uh, as we jump into the interview here, um, we want to get your backstory and how you were introduced to the beautiful game. Tell us a little bit about how that story begins for you. So I'm not someone that grew up with soccer. You know, when I was young, I played, of course, because everybody puts their kid into soccer. But being from the South, it was American football. So, you know, it was one of them things. Uh, it wasn't something that we watched in my house or anything like that. I moved to California right at turning 18 years old. And soccer was around everywhere. You always were, you know, you would see it. And, and you know, so it was one of them things where I was like, all right, well, I want to start looking for teams that I can follow. And then, you know, I love Italy. I love France. And so I gravitated towards Juventus, obviously, because it's sort of the most known. But then when I started researching, I, I like this. Uh, so they became my team. PSG is a team I followed for quite a long time. Chelsea, 
Uh, my wife and I, that's where we took our honeymoon is in uh, London and Paris. So these are places that always stuck out to me and something that I gravitated towards. So these are teams that I wanted to constantly follow. So I've been watching them for many years. And then once Kalisic went to Dortmund, it was when I started following Dortmund. And then uh, also in Ligue Nance, I follow uh, Bovista. So, you know, I, I like football. I mean, it was something I've, I've been watching now for 20 plus years. It's just, you know, it was it was something that I related to. I like the fandom of it. I, I like, I like uh, you know, just the way that the games are carried. I like that they're constantly going for the whole time. It was just something that excited me. So, yeah, I never could get behind MLS. I never had an MLS team, but I lived in California for a long time. Something I felt like I missed of having a football club in the States. And, um, you know, a, a lot of our friends, they were all Carson fans. And I was just like, yeah, that just isn't, that isn't what I'm looking for. When my wife and I heard about LAFC going to be in Los Angeles, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I would, you know, Google and just read whatever they had about it, where the stadium was going to be put, things like this. And it was pretty cool, man, like watching it grow, watching it grow. You know, remember when Bob, when they announced Bob, remember when they announced Bella, when they were doing digging for the stadium, it was just something that I connected with. But at this time, my wife and I also have left California and traveled in an RV. So we, we were on the road at this point. So I'm keeping up. Every time we're at a place that has Wi-Fi, I'll pull up search. And I knew when our the, the season was going to start. So yeah, that, that's how I came to be an LAFC, you know, a fan of LAFC. Never missed a game. Ever missed a game. So anytime we know that there's a game day, uh, as we're traveling, we'll pull over and make sure that we're at an RV resort that has Wi-Fi so I can watch the match. And then from there... After the game, we'll get back on the road and we'll travel. So on double week games, you know, we are always like, we'll stay for the full week or whatever. So you mentioned you were raised in the South. You lived in California, yep. in the greater Los Angeles area for a while. In a time in which we could desperately use some sunshine and rainbows, when does the rainbow state enter your life, sir? So I've been with my wife for 20 years, right? So I met her in California. And uh, this is where she's from. Well, I've been coming here for 20 years. She was born here. And um, yeah, you know, it, it was one of the things that we, we, so we moved here for like six months, uh, about five years ago. Well, extended stay, let's just call it that, for six months. And we knew that we weren't done with traveling. Like I said, we spent some time in uh, France and Italy and uh, London. And we were like, okay, so let's do the stage. And, and, and so we went back, we just only got in the RV and we traveled for two years and we found out we were going to have a baby. So then we hunkered down in California again, in um, Palos Verdes. I had our baby at UCLA over there in Santa Monica. This is in 2018. So the first year of LAFC, actually on September 15th, we are watching the New England game in the hospital bed. My wife had just had the baby where my wife had a uh, really hard pregnancy and we were up in the bed and she's laying there and I have the computer. We have the newborn on the chest and uh, we're watching LAFC in New England. And that was a, you know, that was like, oh yeah, dude, our daughter's going to know football from the day she's born, you know? 
sadly, we're still there September 22nd, which is the day that we played San Jose and the rafters were shaking for the LAFC San Jose game. And um, I remember I'm in there and I'm chanting all the chants. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of it. And, and my wife is like, you're absolutely crazy, you know, because she's still just trying to uh, get healthy. And um, yeah, man, my daughter now is uh, two and a half years old. She, she, can, she loves the Dolly Dolly chant. She loves, uh, you know, she loves LAFC. She knows when daddy's watching LAFC that it's time that we uh, have to hunker down and watch or go into the other room. She's going to be born and raised an LAFC fan. <laughs> she has no choice. That's fantastic. Two and a half years old, time for her to start memorizing the lyrics to Somo. So uh, yeah, get going on that. <laughs> yeah, That's fantastic. So when did you have the idea to launch LAFC Hawaii? And how did that sort of morph its way into your current involvement with Twitter spaces and the very popular show that you run through the account? Okay, so this also goes back to the question that you just asked. After we had our daughter, we jumped back in the RV and we went to Tennessee to spend time with my family to let them meet their grandchild. And then uh, COVID hit. In between there, we had already sent our stuff here to Hawaii because we knew this is where we were going to raise our daughter at. And so the whole time, I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm writing and I was LAFC Nick for a while. And uh, man, if I'm going to go to Hawaii, I always see people using where they live or whatever. I'll just start one LAFC Hawaii. So I did. And I would always chat with these same people, always chat with these same people. And we would talk in these groups and it always seemed like it was the same six, seven guys. Well, Twitter launched that spaces and I'm like, well, let's just get on here and chat about it. And we did. It was only six of us. And next thing you know, I put it out. I'm like, hey, look, we're doing this Twitter space. And everybody's like, what is Twitter spaces? I'm like, well, it's a thing that you can come on and live or whatever. And it's cool because I'm going to let everyone speak that wants to speak that has something to say about the club, good or bad. I don't care what your opinion is. We're all going to just talk about it just to have a space for supporters, by supporters. And so, you know, we have uh, a guy from Uruguay, we have a guy from Portugal, we have one from Ireland. And so I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. So it just grew and grew. We started with six. Every week it gets better. They're going through some weird stuff right now, Twitter spaces. So it's been a little glitchy. So today was sort of strange. People were in there, but they couldn't be in there and they couldn't. So, you know, it's still something in the work in progress with Twitter, but it's, it's something that has grown a lot faster than we expected it to. And uh, I think what it is is people like to be heard. You know, there's there's fans and supporters out here that have stuff that they want to get off their chest, if it's good or bad, and they want to say it. And I give them the space to be able to say it. I think it's incredible that you have people from around the country being able to join you, right? It's kind of a way for those that aren't able to go day in and day out to be able to express themselves and have others that understand that situation from afar. Right. So... That's, that's super interesting uh, for me about this club. Obviously, we're all fans of clubs in Europe or South America, Central America, and we reciprocate that to those clubs. Uh, to me, it's super interesting that LAFC has been able to do that in such quick fashion, right? Well, the thing is, is um, obviously the Uruguay, he came because of Rossi and them, right? So he wanted to find, you know, other people that, you know, related to LAFC. So he... Of course, he's in there, and we just start chatting. 
Um, but, you know, we also have, you know, a numbers guy that does all of our stats for our show uh, in uh, Back in Black. And he's he's a really smart guy. We have a guy in our show, Eric, that does all of our contract stuff. So we hit all rounds of it. You know, a guy that does a lot of tactics talk. And, you know, the thing is, is all of these people that I'm talking about have had clubs, like you said, over in Europe, have watched football for, um, you know, 20 plus years, we're talking, you know. So it isn't like, um, you know, LAFC just popped up and now they're become fans of the sport and are learning as they go. Now, we do have some guys in there that come in to listen, to learn more about it because they are new to the sport. And, you know, they always tell us how they appreciate it. But it's all, you know, look, this is all of our opinion. It's just an opinion of how we see the game. We have people that are the Bob outs and the people that aren't. And it's just a great discussion to have different opinions of, of what we think the club should do. And I think that's why it works is because, you know, people want to vent sometimes and then they want to also be able to talk about something that they're into that maybe their wife or their significant other isn't into. And it gives that outlet to be able to share. I think especially when you're dealing with people spread out completely across the globe, something that we really maybe just don't respect well enough here within the LAFC community is just our ability to get together and talk football. You know, so many right. times on this show, my favorite thing about it is simply just being able to interact with people and talk LAFC. And it's something that we perhaps take for granted where when you're displaced for whatever reason from the local community here, just being able to get together and vent and you know, having listened in on a few of the Twitter spaces, I was there today you know, just hearing a lot of the sentiments that are very similar to what you hear as you're exiting the game or as you're, you know, going out and having a beer with your LAFC buddies and, and all of those same frustrations that they are able to get off their chest in person with us, either, you know, on Christmas tree lane or in the community. I think it's great that you guys have provided that avenue where people can just go invent or, or go and share an idea or just have a space to be able to speak their mind about whatever's bugging them within the community. And, yeah, I know sometimes, you know, those public forums do tend to trend towards the dramatic and the negative. I think we've seen that in in all of the various LAFC public community forums, be it, you know, Twitter or elsewhere. But I think you guys do a really good job of just saying, hey, look, we're going to pass the mic to everybody. Everybody's going to get their two cents. Some of these opinions might be more informed than others, but respect everyone's opinion. And I think you guys do a really nice job with what you do. And I'm excited to see wherever it goes, uh, that it's, you know, going into podcast form is fantastic. Uh, obviously, Appreciate the LHC pod fam is a very tight knit community and we love and respect each other and have a lot of fun. So excited to see more people get on board as we've, we've dropped a couple pods over the years. And then just wherever you guys end up going, if Twitter's not the right technological space for you, if you guys end up finding some other form where people get to speak together, that's more befitting your style. I just, I love that it exists. And just from an outsider, I, I just love sitting back and hearing everyone's opinion. So I applaud you guys for what you're doing. Hey man, I, I really, really appreciate that. You know, like I said, we, we didn't expect much, you know, just six guys chatting around. Right. But yeah, you know, look, we, we have a bunch of guys that are season ticket holders, parts of uh, supporter groups or whatever. And, and, uh, outside of the space to show, uh, uh, which we go by uh, Voices of the Black and Gold. We we have a uh, like a little group chat, and I was telling them earlier, you know, they they do well with taking pictures and videos to make us that aren't there feel like we're there, and uh, it's something that we really appreciate a lot. You know, Uruguay and Portugal and, and Craig and Ireland. You know, the, these are 
these are things that that really uh, make us feel like we're there. And it's cool that they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll show us the TIFOs, they'll show us Ali, they'll show us, you know, just goals that go in that we, even though we're seen on TV, but being there and like, while everybody's going crazy or, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool, you know, um, we have Pookie that's over there in, in the uh, 3252 section, jumping up and down with this kid you know, as he's banging on the drum. It's just something that it's, it's cool that, that we all have got connected the way that we have. And, uh, you know, I appreciate those guys a lot, you know, and and uh, the community that we're, we are trying to build. And, you know, yeah, sometimes it, it gets negative and, uh, you know, I don't deter it because that's how they feel. And my thing is, it's an open space. Right. So who am I to tell them that they can't feel that way? Right. It's like, the, you know, a lot of our conversation has been the whole Bob out or Bob in or Mac here and Mac there. But, you know, it's a debate. That's what it, that's what this whole sport is about. We're not all going to agree, you know. Like, example, you know, the four three three is something that's sort of liked, and I'm sort of like the three five two, but that's okay. It's just a matter of opinion of what we would like to see the club do, and you know, as long as I can give that space to people and it, it stay um, where it doesn't get out of control, then I'm okay with that. Speaking of which, what are your predictions for the the season here? Oh man predictions uh well yeah we're teetering you know let's just be honest we're teetering on not making it in the playoffs and I know it's hard to hear and that's just the reality right like foot was talking about it today let's just say we drop these six points and uh there's uh five teams that let's say they pick up those six points it puts us in a dangerous position to not actually make it into the playoff he was going through them I can't remember off the top of my head it was sort of a long conversation and very hectic sorry Jonathan that I didn't get to get to you today because I, I didn't even see you in there man but you know the the reality of it is is um we are dangerously close to not making it not making it to the um playoffs if if we keep on going the way that we're going right now and that's hard to that's hard to swallow to be honest with you yeah I think um Right now, we're in the last playoff position. Yeah. SKC right behind us has played one less game than us and are two points right. behind us. So if they win that game, we're out. Right. We've been through the softer, quote-unquote, part of our schedule. You mean really Minnesota? Not been able to... You said SKC. Real Salt Lake, I think. Oh, RSL. RSL. Sorry. Wrong, wrong, wrong three letters. RSL is the one that's right behind us, and I think they have played one less game and are only two points back memory serves correct right. so i should really pull and these up in front of me and their schedule gets lighter yeah and ours gets harder yeah and so it's really we really need to pick up the six points to even stay at that line to be able to try to get that to play off uh position you know so it's dangerous you know and it's it's not not where we want to be as uh especially from the beginning of the year when everybody thought that we were, we were in this position to one win the you know the cup so there are a couple themes that seem to come up on your show regularly that uh i know you often open yourself up to other people's opinions on um but since the microphone's in front of you tonight i kind of <laughs> like to get your thought on a few different subjects that i've noticed uh as far as listening to the show uh so the first one i'd like you to touch on is your thoughts on bob in bob out Oh, man. So I haven't been a Bob out guy. I'm one of the ones that have constantly been about, let's just let Bob do his thing. But I also understand the game. 
and I understand uh, where we're sitting right now. And at the end of the day, the Bob football has not worked this year. And um, that's just the, you know, look, it hasn't been the Bob of 18 or 19, right? It hasn't been the Bob football. We've tried a lot of different stuff. So, you know, I hate to say it, but I guess I'm teetering on the line of maybe after this season, if we do miss the playoffs, that it might very well be a new coach coming in and um, maybe it would be warranted, right? Like, how do you have all this expectation and you don't deliver any of it? You know, you, we've, we've had a lot of games that have been misplayed from, you know, weird subs at SKC during the halftime when that game really was winnable. That's just not the only one. It's been quite a few. So I think that it's understandable what they're saying about Bobby and L. That's the truth. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot for one more. Vela right. in, Vela out. Oh, man. So we're talking about the extension, right? So you got that from today. Okay. So listen, uh, okay, I'm a, I'm a Vela fan. I like Vela. Uh, I was really harsh on him today. I know that's where you're going with that, Jonathan. But I'm harsh with him because today, because I, I feel like Vela just hadn't been the same since he came back from this injury. And that's the truth. Uh, he's a DP. So he's one of our most important players. And um, it just hadn't been that. If, if you look at what our DPs have done this year, it's really been some of the lowest for any team in the MLS, it's not good. And, uh, you know, from one not being here for most of the time for being alone, uh, Rossi hadn't been there, Vela hadn't been there. And so, you know, how do you take him into the office at the end of the year when we miss the playoffs and you say, hey, how much money does it take for me to get you to stay here for another year? You know, it's like, Maybe it's time to you move on from it all, and we just have a completely new team next year, and we start almost start over, and and with fresh minds and uh, you know fresh eyes looking at it. All right, so I got one last one for you, and it's uh, your thoughts on the current <laughs> roster construction and how that equates to whether it's John Thorrington in or out. Ooh, okay. So I have been critical of the front office too. Golly. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is John has made moves that we were asking for this this last little window, although I just don't think it was enough. For me, I believe right when Tagore came off at Portland that John should have been on the phone looking immediately at that point because um, I feel like he at that point knew that he was going to get rid of Kay. So we should have been looking for a center back immediately. I guess my issue with the front office is they're not super transparent with the supporters. You know, maybe you, because you're part of the 3252 group and whatever, y'all do y'all's meetings with them. But I'm saying like the everyday supporter out here that wants to know certain things, we don't really get from them. And, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I can use Juventus for an example. You know, when Dybala went down, we knew he went down. Right. And we knew that he was going to be out for a certain time by the end of the following day. And, you know, I come back to LAFC, you know, the Apaco thing. It's, it's one of those situations where it's like he goes off and gets hurt. He comes back and it's like, oh, we don't know what happened to him for two weeks. And then we find out, oh, he's now had surgery. You know, these things bother me about the front office. But again, if we don't make it to the playoffs, there there should maybe be some talk about John Thorrington not bringing the right guys for Bob. 
I mean, it, it's one of the two we're going to have to go, if not both, right? Well, thank you. I appreciate your candor in that regard. I think we just have one last question for you today. You may have seen this one coming. And that's her, Nick, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? You know, shoulder to shoulder does mean for me the group that I've made really, to be honest with you. Shoulder to Shoulder is a group of guys that, you know, we all support the same thing. We're all there for the one cause of, you know, the LAFC and the black and gold and that badge, right? That, that's what football is. You know, the, the support that I get from, uh, you know, the uh, voices of the black and gold, or, you know, the, the Twitter spaces that I do is, is something that uh, I, I never expected. And it, it's been really nice to to have them guys there. But not only that, like when I'm walking down here in Hawaii and I'm wearing my kit and I see another guy with a LASC kit on and we just look at each other and we say, you know, we just yell at each other about the LAFC. Like it's, it's something that is really cool to have in your life. And that's what Shoulder to Shoulder has, uh, became for me. Well, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. We know with the time change and all of that can be a little difficult to do. So the podcast is Voices of the Black and Gold. We have Nick from uh, at LAFC underscore Hawaii. Excuse me. I should uh, I should get the Twitter handle right for you. We really, really appreciate you coming and joining the show for us. Uh, we're also very appreciative of everything you're doing in the community to help bring voices out to the forefront. That's absolutely something in which I think we are congruent ideologically between this show and yours, always looking to get the voice of the fan out there. So thank you for being another avenue for that. And moreover, thank you for joining the show. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Well, again, if you want to follow the show here, you can reach out to us at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. You can email either Christian, Christopher, or Jonathan at LAFCS2S. If you would like to reach out to us about booking to be on the show, we'd love to hear your voice and have you be on next. Again, thank you everyone so much for listening to episode 96 with LAFC Hawaii. Take us home, Sticks. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.